It's not often we get the chance to travel across the globe, but here we are traveling to the land down under to meet our next guest. Matt Rad is the CEO and co-founder of eBusiness Institute and host of Digital Investors Podcast, who has built a high cash flow portfolio by buying and selling businesses using digital assets. If you want to know more about Matt and what he can do for you and your business, then join us after the introduction. Hello and welcome. I'm Clayton M. Coke, and I'm also the host for The Cashflow Show, the radio show that's disguised in the shape of a podcast, but with so much more. Every week we'll be interviewing someone inspiring from the business world and finding out how they started in business, what their trials and tribulations were, and how they intend to grow their business in the future. We will also be finding out about what they do in their spare time, as well as asking them to pick a book, a film and a favourite single or album and to share their reasons for doing so. So why not join us at the Cashflow Show? It's not just a radio show, it's a whole new way of doing business. Matt, welcome to the Cashflow Show. I don't know if I should say good day or what's the polite greeting, you'll have to let me know. Well, that, no, you'd be right in saying that. Thank you so much for having me on, Clayton. It's wonderful to be here. And yes, we are. Oh, well, I am from Australia. So normally we say, g'day, how are you going? Well, well, good day. And how are you going to you, Matt? So what I want to know is that I've given the Cashflow crew a little teaser about what you do. And we've got a lot to discuss and a lot to pack into the show. But first of all, tell us about your current role. I run the eBusiness Institute in Australia and what we do is we teach beginners, typically corporates um, who are burnt out, how to get online businesses so they can quit their jobs and work from home, especially after COVID. It's it's absolutely huge here in Australia. A lot of, we're seeing a lot more burnout now and we so basically what we do is we help retrain people with digital skills so they're not swapping time for money. That's that. That's something that Liz and I are very passionate about because we've been very successful with that ourselves. Do you feel that the traditional models of time for money, I come from a law background, yep. and lawyers effectively and accountants and everybody in terms of white collar jobs really has effectively traded time for money. And it seems like a bloody slog. <laughs> it is. Yeah, well, we have lots of lawyers who are, who are clients and accountants and, and white-collar workers. And I think it, for people like yourselves, when you look at what we do, it, it sounds pretty mind-blowing. We buy websites. That's literally what we do. They're, they're just virtual. They're, you, know, you can work on them in your jimmy jams at night. And that's what we love about it because we, it takes time. We retrain people. And they're so used to swapping time for money when they get into this space, not only do they get, I guess, you know, financial freedom, but it's time freedom. But also, Clayton, what's really interesting, I just remember a couple of our lawyers love it because it, it, they were the first ones to start pointing this out. It's very creative what we do online. We're buying and selling little mini businesses and we build them up and then we keep them for the cash flow. And it's a very, believe it or not, it's actually a very creative process. It's not just entrepreneurial. Um, to someone that's used to working, you know, nine to five, or these days it's five to nine, um, <laughs> they get a nice surprise with these websites because you can literally just work on them and park them and leave them for a couple of weeks or a couple of months and then come back to them. So it's a very different way of living your life. And do you feel I, in my other guys as 
a host at Podcast Radio Business, spoke to a lady from the Australian Tourist Board. Oh, okay, yeah. And she was basically extolling the virtues of living in Australia and trying to get Brits or the Poms, as they were affectionately known, in order to um, uh, to come over and and sample. And many people are doing that in of their own volition. Do you think that the type of business that you can create using online businesses is conducive to that Australian lifestyle? Oh, very much so. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm biased. I, you know, I live in Australia. We live in the best part of Australia, which is called Queensland. It's northern kind of where, the, where literally we'd have, it's going to make you jealous, Clayton, but, you know, over 300 days a year of pure sunshine, it is just perfect. You know, it's, it's pretty much paradise. Um, I know we're all convicts down here, but I think we got the, the good, I think we got the good deal. So, but, but, and actually that's one of the reasons why we, we, we started online for Liz and I, because, we, we both grew up in the country and we absolutely love living that that sense of freedom, you know, big open spaces and it's how we wanted to raise our family as well. And it's a really good question of yours. Very much so we design this business of ours, what, what we do in buying and selling websites around lifestyle reasons initially. So that, that was um, a, a very important thing for us to get that not just financial freedom, but time freedom. That was huge for us when we, especially when we first started as entrepreneurs. Um, you know, we, it was a hard slog. We we used to buy and sell bricks and mortar businesses, but then when we pivoted to online businesses, we suddenly realised we can free up a lot more capital and time and location. Like we can literally, it's fun. And going back to your question, here's a funny story. When our kids came along, we lived in southern Australia, which is very cold, a bit more like England where we lived. It's beautiful. It was actually called the Southern Highlands and it looked like rural um, kind of England. But it was so cold. We had one year with our kids, we had like eight months of the year were in jumpers and it was just you couldn't even go outside. It was rainy and cold. And Liz one day said, this is crazy. What are we doing? We, we, we live off laptops. We can live wherever we want. We're in Australia. Let's move to Queensland. So within four weeks, we packed up and moved to Queensland, and we've been here ever since. So literally, because we can, there's no, we have no, no barriers, no borders, no geographical borders for us anymore. So yeah, within four weeks, that's with kids, everything. Just sold the house, moved, and um, now live in Queensland. And that was ten years ago. During that ten-year period. You must have started from somewhere. And I read something that really caught my eye, and I don't know if it's true, mm. that you were involved in zoology at one point? Yep. Yep. We was at, so that's how Liz and I met. Ah. So we met at uni studying zoology, and uh, we, were, we both studied red kangaroos, so Australia's iconic red kangaroo. And because we're from the country, we thought that would, you know, be a good degree to do zoology but sadly with zoology you don't get financial independence and you don't get freedom independence you don't even get location independence here we are studying red kangaroos but most of our work we we have to work out of labs in sydney which is a city you know you're always tied to a university somewhere and government grants and things like that so no we we pivoted very quickly from that once we finished our honors year we bought our first business with the help of family and literally because back then we we read books like um 
Think and Grow Rich and Robert Kiyosaki's book when we realised, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and we realised that business can give us the leverage that we want. We were always looking for the leverage so that we could live wherever we wanted, work the hours that we want and earn, you know, the money that we wanted. And we realised we were only ever going to get that through business. So from the very first moment when we bought our first business, we were hooked. We absolutely loved it. It was very addictive. What were the challenges? Because, you know, <laughs> yeah. you, you're fresh out of university, both of you. You know, you've been studying these red kangaroos. You've realised that they're lovely yep. animals, but they just don't pay. Um, no, they don't, to be blunt. <laughs> no, they were never going to pay us, no. So the reality, <laughs> the reality for you was you needed to have a business. What did you yep. choose as your first business? Bizarrely, funny how the universe works, um, we ended up with this small manufacturing business that made spare parts for outdoor power equipment. So, you know, for lawn mowers and brush cutters? Oh, yeah. So we made spare parts, widgets, basically, for, for those. And so we made, manufactured them here in Australia. And talking of challenges, we were so naive. We, we relied on an accountant no disrespect to accountants, but we relied on an accountant to help us with the, the due diligence. We had no idea what we were doing and he said it was a good business. Turned out to be the total opposite. It was going bankrupt. Oh, my. Um, and that's why the owner was selling it. And with bricks and mortar businesses, we've since learned, it's very easy to hide those sorts of things. You've got to be pretty good on your due diligence with bricks and mortar businesses and particularly with manufacturing businesses. The name of your podcast is The Cash Flow Show. Oh, my goodness, did we have a <laughs> baptism of fire. So we've got this business going bankrupt. Manufacturing business is one of the most challenging businesses to um, manage the cash flow, particularly when it's seasonal like it is with outdoor power equipment because if the grass grows, the business, yeah, that's when it's busy. But in winter, we do nothing. So very, very challenging business to manage the cash flow and no one in our family had ever been an entrepreneur or a business owner. So we had to learn everything from books and going to seminars and workshops, totally self-taught, and we had to figure out how to turn it around really quickly. Otherwise, we were just going to go bankrupt, which at that age didn't matter. We had no assets anyway um, except this business. But very scary times, and I'm glad to say we figured it out. It, it, I make it sound easy, but it was very challenging for many, many years, but we absolutely loved it because we, I think we got a buzz building this business up and we realised we could use our science training. We just tested things. We just constantly tested ideas and we never stopped. And one of the key skills that we learned, which to this day is super important for us, is we had to learn how to sell and how to sell these products. And we had to fix up the business and renovate it and to this day, guess what we do? We just buy, renovate and fix up businesses. And we, we got so good at it, we, we didn't work like for half the year because it was a seasonal business. So we started buying and selling other manufacturing businesses and wholesale import businesses and the same thing. And we got really good at turning around businesses quite quickly and getting them cash flow positive. So now this, when I say it, it, it it was a 10-year journey to do that, you know. What, what is it? An overnight success takes 10 years. Well, that was definitely us. We weren't, you know, some young kids that got rich real quick or anything like that. It was nothing like that. We literally skirted bankruptcy for a decade because all our money's tied up 
in physical inventory in a warehouse somewhere. Of course. Because for me, what is interesting, you mentioned a couple of things that I'm intrigued about. Mm-hmm. Number one, you mentioned, and this is a question I often ask people on the show, were people in your family in business? No. And it's quite, exactly. I mean, I was in exactly yeah. the same position. I, I had to learn the, the very hard way. Yeah. A lot of people who are very rich and famous in business don't always necessarily tell you that they have very wealthy parents or very wealthy relatives. Yeah. Yep. No, we didn't have that either. And same here. So you, all those those knocks were hard knocks. Very. The question I wanted to ask you, and it came to me beforehand and it's just resurfaced again, is what's it like working with your partner? Awesome. We... we that's an interesting question, Clayton. Um, a lot of people I don't, ask I, I don't us want to. That. I don't want to cause any. I don't think there is a no, problem, so that's why I asked no, the question. No, no, it, <laughs> it, 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 it's people find it quite unique that Liz and I we work. We have this. We've worked together twenty four seven for the last thirty years, literally twenty four seven, live and breathe. And I th- what business that, that? And luckily, so for me, luckily, Liz is very similar to me in that she absolutely loves businesses. She loves buying them, renovating them, fixing them up and turning them around. We're not driven by the money side. I am more so because I come from a very poor family and it that kind of affected me when I was a kid, like I had a single mum and then when mum remarried um, to de- my dad, I was very lucky we moved out to a farm, but even on the farm, dad was a farm manager and he wasn't paid very much money. So they, they had it tough as well. They had a, my, my family had it really tough. So for me, I was driven by financial freedom. Liz was driven by location freedom and the cho- freedom of choice. She, her parents were, um, grew up in the country as well. They didn't have much money, but they didn't lack money or anything like that. So working together... Coming back to that question, why I think it's worked so well for us is we've had a shared vision for the last 30 years and that's super important. I think no matter who you're with, who your partner is, whether it's your business partner or your significant other, um, it, in your family, it's when you're an entrepreneur, it is so important to have support around you. It's also like the people you hang out with as well. It's super, super important and having that shared vision and someone that understands you and so that you can help each other through because you're going to hit hard times. Like we hit really hard times. But because we had a shared, shared vision, we just figured it out. And I think that was, that's been the buzz of it. We look at each other now and go, far out. I would not change anything. We've had a ball. It's been, it's been tough. There's been some really challenging times in business for us, but not never in our relationship. It's really interesting. It's, it, we, we both complement each other, I think, and I think we've been very lucky there as well. Maybe the universe put us together for that reason. I don't know. Well, maybe but, because I think uh, that to a certain extent, the reason why I raised that, and I know a lot of other podcasts do different things in terms of business, but for me, it's always the human side. And the fact is, mm. is that when you're with somebody and you're in a relationship with somebody, they have to be able to absorb the knocks that you're getting. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> right, yep. And and I think naturally Liz and I do that really well with each other. You know, we, we to this day we have a meeting every Monday morning where we sit and, but you know what we mainly talk about, Clayton? What's that? Our vision. Yeah. We, we make sure 
are we on path? That's it. We're not talking like, okay, we do cover the minutiae of running the businesses that we own lots of businesses and stuff. We talk about, you know, running those, but first and foremost, every single Monday and, e- and then even throughout the week and at the dinner table, but we're always constantly checking in with each other. Are we on path? Are we doing the right things? Is there an easier way? Is there another way? Are you happy with how the direction we're going? And we call it our rocking chair test. We say when we're in our 80s and we're looking back, are we going to be happy that we did what we're doing today? And that's what we, we're doing that every single week. And I think that's Liz and I are very, very vision, like goal oriented. And we just, and I think that's important with your partner to check in. Are you on path doing the right things? So you've had your first business and you've realized that you've been sold a pup, as we we yep. say here in the UK, you probably oh, yeah. say across there as well. And yep. how did you get out of that situation? What was the next step? It, the solution was quite elegant. It was literally, I happened to read a book at the time that I bought from St. Vincent's de Paul secondhand, 60 cents, because we had hardly any money left. And it was what they don't teach you at Harvard Business School by, um, oh, what's his name? But I've still got it there. It's 60 cents. It's written in the front. And basically my take-home point from that was any business you want to turn it around, just learn how to sell. And so the solution was we had to figure out how to sell stuff and we just had to sell. So we didn't focus on trying to cut expenses and things like that because we're living on the smell of an oily rag anyway. Um, we just had to get more cash flow into the business and ASAP. So we did everything we possibly could to sell more of our stock. Interesting, because I think the guy's name is Mark H. McCormack. That's it, Mark yeah. McCormack. Yeah, yeah, and I've read his other books too. Yeah, Mark McCormack, of course. Yeah, so, it's a bright red cover, yeah. really good book. So really, 60-cent book, yep. possibly the best investment you ever made. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And, and, and every corner of the page was folded and I had fluoro markers throughout it because I was just like a sponge. And from there, the, the, I will in particular, like seriously, you're asking, you know, what's the pivotal thing that we did? We then read three other or discovered three other people to teach us how to do sales and they were through books and that is Zig Ziglar, the American, um, he's kind of a motivational slash sales trainer and Tommy Hopkins, who's a friend of his, and Brian Tracy. And they all know each other. They're all really nice guys. You notice they never swear and things like that. And and but they've whilst they're American, because us Aussies and and Poms know like American salespeople can be pretty full on. They aren't, and they were very genuine. And I think that rubbed off on Liz and I, and particularly Tom Hopkins and Zig Ziglar. Well, we used to listen to his back then. It was audio tapes, and so we would be driving interstate with our Ute full of. Um, spare parts that we're going to sell to these distributors in other states. And on those long journeys, we literally would just listen to Tom Hopkins and Zig Ziglar and we were so nervous and scared. We didn't we, we didn't know what we were really doing, um, but we just listened to those tapes and then we used those sales lessons from there when we walk in the door of these big, these are big companies that we're selling to like Honda, Makita, Still, all those big famous companies. And guess what? It worked. They accepted us. <laughs> they just, they, everything, all those things that you learn about sales, like how to talk to people, how to use questions and be very genuine. Um, over time, it worked extraordinarily well. And 
got to the point where we were starting to export overseas and we landed our, I can remember it took, a, it was an eight hour drive to drive to the headquarters of Honda here in Australia. And I listened to Tom Hopkins nonstop and I used all the stuff that I learned on that trip when I walked in the door and that to this day was our biggest deal ever. We, we landed a big, um, every brand new Honda brush cutter in Australia used our, our heads that we made here in Australia wow. from that day on. Pretty amazing. Yeah. And um, to this day, we're still really good friends with the CEO of Honda. That, really? that was since retired, but, but um, yeah, we're still friends with him. Really nice guy. This is what is really interesting. I think, especially Zig Ziglar, what I found, he was not necessarily to me a salesman. He was more like a preacher. That yeah, was, yeah, 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 and it, but in the nicest, so. yeah, in nicest possible way. Yeah. Because one of the key things I took away from him was that he said, "Don't sell something to somebody that they don't want or they don't need." Yep, and that's what I've always said I, in in business. If you sell me something that I don't want, I will resent you forever. Yep, and and Clayton, he, he to this day we quote Ziggs because what we now do online. Is exactly what Zig Ziglar taught us all the all those years ago. He used to say in his big Texan um, accent, um, "The more people you help, the more you you will, the better you will do." Yeah. So that was our goal, just to help as many people as we can. And the funny thing is, fast forward what thirty odd years to what we do today, which is online businesses. Literally, the way we make money with our online businesses is by helping people because we sell information or just useful information. So. The sorts of websites we have now have nothing to do with physical inventory or stock. They're, they're not e-commerce sites. They literally just answer questions. So about hobbies or whatever. And it's thanks to Zig Ziglar because we realized the internet, oh, people are asking questions around certain topics. If we answer those, they will come to our website and we can put ads on there and we make money off the ads. And that's basically how we make money today. So thank you, Zig Ziglar. <laughs> thank you, Zig. Um, yeah, wherever you are in the universe, we thank you for yep. that. But what I wanted to ask you was this, is that obviously you've done that massive deal with Honda. Yep. When was the point at which you and or Liz decide that the internet is the way to go, this physical stuff and parts, it's, it's great. And obviously it can be done. You've fought your way up, yep. but you're thinking to yourself, there's got to be a better way than this. Well, that was our journey because we we were constantly we you got to remember too in that journey wasn't that was our first business. We bought and sold other wholesale import businesses and the whole way through we were constantly looking for the perfect business model and we actually became business brokers and we were selling businesses to private equity firms in Sydney doing some pretty big deals in wholesale import businesses. And all that time, what we were doing, we were like sponges. We just loved business so much. We were mainly talking with all these high net worth buyers of businesses because they would own portfolios of businesses and they would raise funds, many millions of dollars to buy up all these businesses. And we're going, how can we do that? That's really cool. But we're young entrepreneurs with no money. Yeah, we're in debt with all our money's tied up in stock. But then we started noticing this thing in the, early 2000s called the internet and we realized there are people making money on the internet through just selling ads 
like ad space. They're like online billboards, really, when you think about it. So people come to the website, you know, when you click on one of those ads, well, the web owner gets paid for that. And we realized, okay, that's pretty cool. We don't have to have put money into physical inventory. If we can get these sites with lots of traffic, then we can make money off that. And then also there's this thing called affiliate marketing as well, which is what we did a lot of in the early days too, where you promote someone else's product, but you don't have to hold the product yourself, which to us was gold because all of a sudden we're not tying up all our capital in physical inventory. We just refer someone else to it and then we get an affiliate commission for that. So that's where we started to realise we can do this dream thing of buying up a portfolio of businesses, online businesses, very cheaply compared to bricks and mortar. So in bricks and mortar world, we're up for minimum six figures for any business. And that ties up all your capital straight away. And and it's huge risk when you're young or at any age. Um, So in terms of where did we pivot, it was around the GFC where we suddenly it got really tough buying and selling bricks and mortar businesses here in Australia. And also we had a young family and we said it was getting really stressful doing that, living on the edge all the time. (laughs) And so we started buying up um, websites, these sorts of websites. And Liz just, Liz, it was actually Liz because we first started building them to learn how to do it, which is something we teach to this day because we're really passionate about it. And Liz basically said one day, hey, why don't we just do what we've always done? Let's just go virtual door knocking and see if people want to sell their websites because there's no marketplaces or brokers for websites back then. We were one of the first ones to do it. So that's what we did because that's how we used to buy bricks and mortar businesses as well. And it worked really, really well. But it, was, it went very quickly for us and we got really good at it. And so we owned a portfolio of online businesses very quickly and they're all cash flow positive from day one. So we were hooked. We went, <laughs> all right, we're not going back to bricks and mortar business anymore. This is so much easier. It's heaps easier than bricks and mortar businesses. And we're just buying small sites, like anything from $5,000 to $100,000, which is, you know, you don't have to buy big websites or anything. It's not like bricks and mortar world where minimum six figures to get anything decent. You can buy really good websites for under $20,000 easy. Mm. So that was the positive side and obviously the achievement that you made. Could you describe some of the challenges that you had? Oh, yeah, there's heaps. Yep. <laughs> I thought there might, you made it sound yeah, so yeah. good. I just knew there had oh, to yeah, be I'll some pain. Re- remember, I've been trained by the best, Zig Ziglar. You know, everything's <laughs> positive in Zig's world and it is in Matt and Liz's world too. We're exactly the same and same as Tom Hopkins. We're all super positive. But, yes, they're, they're, Clayton, there is a journey to this. If you're listening to this, please realise I've been doing this for 30 years and the challenges are you've got to learn to how to do good due diligence on websites, the same as what you do with bricks and mortar businesses. Now, we're really good at that because we've just studied it every day of our life for the last 30 years. It's something we're really passionate about. We love teaching people about that. But the main challenges are obviously the technical ones. Now, when we first started online, you've got to know how to build a website or put together a website. And that was quite challenging back in what, the mid 2000s. And we started by, I, I really dislike computers. I'm quite technophobic. Growing up on a farm, I had no interest in computers, never touched them. Whereas Liz was good at it and she learned how to hand code websites. Now, thankfully, you don't have to do that anymore. But that was a big challenge. And to this day, it's still a big, it, it appears on the surface to be the biggest challenge 
for most people. Now, this is why we started the eBusiness Institute to help people overcome that challenge. That's why you'll notice we're specialists in teaching total beginners online how to do this because it's something that we struggled with in the early days and also due diligence where, well, we didn't struggle with due diligence. We're really good at doing website due diligence. That's one of our specialties. But we know the reality is those two things are probably the main challenges if you're going to be buying and selling online businesses. You need to know how to do the technical stuff, which you know we've taught seven-year-olds how to do that. So we know how to teach people how to do that. And then teaching people how to do website due diligence. And then it's just the good old, you know, you've got to get in and do it too. It's not a, it's not a get rich quick thing. You've, you've, there's things you've got to do, but they're probably the two main challenges. You've mentioned the eBusiness Institute. Mm-hmm. How did you come to form that organisation? That's a really good question. It was, it was born out of passion actually because well, what, what happened was people started hearing about what Liz and I were doing, which back in 2008, the GFC is quite unique. And, and we had friends that were also, we, we're big on hanging out with fellow entrepreneurs. We've always done that. And if you're listening to this and you want to get into business, I highly recommend you make it a, a thing to hang around entrepreneurs. And so some of our friends, very, very successful people in business, but none of them had ever done website businesses or online businesses. So they found this fascinating. So we would get asked to speak at real estate conferences because we were doing a similar thing to what real estate investors do. We buy, renovate and sell or hold for cash flow. And that's how it started because we'd be the invited guests, you know, at the end of one of those real estate conferences and they get, they say, we'd like to invite Matt and Liz on the stage because they do something really strange and weird. They buy these online businesses and they make really high cash flow out of it and that can help you cash flow your real estate. So that's how it started. We started speaking at conferences and talking at business conferences about what we do and then we and we just had that many people ask us, well, can you teach us how to do it? The rest is history. We thought, okay, there's something here. This is, this is good fun. And we were also passionate about people learning how to do proper due diligence because that was the biggest mistake we made as we started out this podcast with Clayton, um, you know, buying a business that was nearly going bankrupt. We didn't want anyone to ever do that. So that was the other thing. We wanted to help people make sure they make the smart decisions and stay safe. So because Liz and I have made a lot of mistakes over the years and we, we know what they are and we we can help because we realise a lot of people from, you know, who have jobs aren't used to being entrepreneurs and buying businesses, we realised we've got a lot of knowledge, 30 years of knowledge at, that we, we can really help people get the right knowledge they need to be very successful at this. So basically that was our start and we've never looked back. Do you feel that there are certain types of websites that make for better cash flow than others? Absolutely. Yep, definitely. Um, it's like any business. So there's, you know, there's millions of different kinds of bricks and mortar businesses out there in the world. And I'd suggest there's millions of different kinds of websites out there. We, for, in terms of high cash flow, we love buying what's called content websites. So most people think of online businesses as e-commerce. That's so, correct. You know, they, they sell gifts or widgets or physical products. We avoid those like the plague. <laughs> and if you, I'm going to be blunt about it. If you're a beginner online, now you, we've got friends that are millionaires through e-commerce sites and I always stir them and say, 
way too complex. You should do what we do. Um, it's not a good way, in my opinion, for a beginner to get online. If you're more experienced or you've got a lot more money behind you, e-commerce can work well, but it's a lot of moving parts to an e-commerce website. Um, it's basically like a wholesale import business and they're, they're complex. So we don't touch those. For us, the highest cash flow online businesses are what we call content sites, which are what I've described. Basically, they'll be about a, a passion niche. So say learn how to play golf or it might be about, um, you know, how to get healthier or it might be around how to get wealthier or happier. It's anything where people are looking up uh, content and, you know, looking for answers and then basically we buy those and it's all about the eyeballs that come to the website and we have ads sitting on there which are very passive. We don't deal with any end users at all. So really there's no fixed costs on the site other than creating the content. That's all the business expenses are that we have is creating content because all the delivery of the money side of it is all done through ads or fully automated ads or fully automated affiliate offers. And for us, they've been the highest cash flow um, online businesses that we've ever owned. And that's all we do these days. So, And also, yeah. I will throw in, if you're listening to this, <laughs> as a handy side benefit, they're the easiest ones to learn on as well. There's right. not much risk with them. Do you feel that with e-commerce, people like the idea of... I've got something to sell. And there's always these ads on YouTube where some guy is either sitting in front yep. of a Ferrari um, or standing on <laughs> yeah. a beach. Yeah. And, and and sometimes they're ladies too. So it's not sexist, either one. But yeah. they're both trying to sell you this dream that if you buy this particular widget from usually China in terms of mass yep. production, you just put this on your site and you're going to make a fortune. Yep, that's it's way more complex than that. So yes, I agree with you that 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 is the the typical you know ad that you see on YouTube. And I think Clayton, you've, you've touched on something there. It it's funny. Liz and I are kind of over the years. A lot of people we get asked to speak at events and stuff, and we talk about what we do. Like I just explained what I've just explained to you and your listeners, the sort of sites we buy, and people need a lot of convincing. And then I notice at the same event, someone will get up and talk about an e-commerce site and people will flock to it. For some reason, they love, like you said, they love this thing, this physical product. They, they kind of get it. And I think that that's the, for those people that get what Liz and I are talking about, because we're talking virtual concepts. Literally, we just sell electrons. That's all we sell is literally just electrons. It's, a, it's totally free. We can live wherever we want. You don't, you know, it's, it makes money 24-7. These, yet these e-commerce sites, everyone seems to absolutely love them because there's a physical product, but far out they're complex compared to, to what we do. But people don't seem to get the concept as well of what we do, mm -hmm. which and is interesting. It's a psychological trick, I guess. It is, but I'll, I'm going to refer you to a, an old story from probably the Zig Ziglar era. And this is 19, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sort of 1950s, 1960s. I can't say exactly when. But yeah. there was a, a TV chef called Betty Crocker. Oh, yeah? Yeah. yeah. And Betty, Betty Crocker, Crocker um, was this TV chef. She was killing it and everybody loved her. She was the epitome of the sort of 1950s, 1960s housewife. And they, she brought out this range of cakes. <laughs> 
And yeah. they, she brought out these, I bet it was a cake mix. You put it all in yep. a bowl, you chuck the water in, you whisk it around, you stuck it in the oven, you got a cake. Yep. Couldn't sell anything. Ah. And they said, this is great. It tastes great. There's nothing wrong with it. But housewives felt cheated. It uh, made them look as if they didn't do a too, thing. Too easy. So they didn't feel easy. the head. It, it's what they call the Ikea effect. You like it more because you've basically been effing and jeffing trying to put it together yeah. <laughs> for the last three years. So you learn <laughs> to love that piece of Ikea furniture. Yep. So the resolution yep. for the Betty Crocker situation was this. Yep. They said, all you need to do is add an egg and you can make it like Betty Crocker. Uh -huh. <laughs> the only problem is the egg yeah. didn't do anything. Yep. It was a placebo. Just a placebo. <laughs> right. But the sales then went through the roof because now these housewives wow. are invested in this cake yep. because they've made uh, it. They've made it. Wow. Okay. Yeah, well, I wonder if that, that, that could be going on here too. It's, it, is, it has struck us. It, it's funny. We had quite a famous entrepreneur reach out and talk to Liz and I about what we do. And, and we're, we're saying to him, mate, this is so easy. It would be a walk in a park for you. Yet he went on and bought an e-commerce site, not a, not a sort of a content site. And he's selling hip flasks or something like that out of it. And I'm like, why? Like, and, and it was funny. It was a real surprise to us because he's, you know, he's a full-on very well-known entrepreneur here, here in Australia, very, very wealthy individual. And yet he said, no, I don't get those content sites. And it's, it's funny. It really, really surprised us. I'm going to give you a parallel. You and Liz have been together for how many years? How many people that you know of your friends or extended friends of friends are in relationships that you know are really toxic, but they keep going back to toxic relationships? <laughs> yeah. The same yeah, way that, because there's a big parallel between relationships and business, in my opinion. And yep. the key thing for me is that there are some people who like struggle businesses. So yes, they want to true. be able to tell that story. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I did so. Because it, it, it's great for your blog. It's great for your video blog. It's great for all I of that. Saying, so. do you know something? Yeah. I sat down there. I realized where the world was going. I, I built myself a website and, you know, I got it working, got a few customers, put some ads on. It started to work and it's building me a steady income. People are like, yeah. oh, it, it's taking away the egg from the Betty Crocker situation. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, very true. Yeah, because our, our story is literally the first website we bought in under two weeks, we doubled it. So we bought it making $1,000 a month. That's net profit. And it would cost us $19,000. Sorry, it was making $2,000 a month. Uh, and and literally what we this is a typical renovation that we do. Talk about how easy this is, Clayton. And people didn't believe it at the time. We literally just figured out, oh, most of the traffic's going to a very in deep internal page within the website right. and there was no monetization on it. There was nothing. It was just some really good content. There was no ad there. Mm. There was no affiliate offer. So we just put a really high-paying affiliate offer on that page and literally the next month the net profit went up to $3,000 and then it went to $4,000. So we doubled it. Like what we did took an afternoon and then the next month, we doubled the money. And later on, we sold that site for six figures to a corporate. Exactly. 
and it, 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 I guess it sounds too easy to people. Of course it does, because that's not what people want. People want the drama. The it's not about doing yeah. business anymore. It's about having some story that you can tell in black and white, you know, that, you know, it's got some moving images that seem really deep and intense and you can literally yeah. then stretch that out to a mini series, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. That's what that's what people want. They still take work. That That's the thing. If, if people want work, just buy themselves more websites and then there's, they've got lots of work. Exactly, exactly. After all that discussion about building websites and creating work and understanding why some people just don't get it, we're going to move on to your selections for the section that we call What Are You Like? Um, awesome. I've listened to your other podcasts. These are, these are fantastic. <laughs> I think a lot of people enjoy this. So we're going yeah. to talk about your favourite book, and you've chosen some awesome. great ones here, How to Heal Your Life by Louise Hay. So that was, it, it's a really interesting, it sounds, I don't know if any of your readers know this book, but for me, I was recommended this by a very wealthy, one of the wealthiest people at the time that Liz and I knew is that we were, we were struggling entrepreneurs and he was kind of a mentor for us and we'd stay at his place and he'd teach us, he buys and sells businesses. This was when we we're doing bricks and mortar businesses. And it's really odd, what's strange, he was one of those classic entrepreneurs who's very aggressive, over the top, you know, had a Ferrari, all that sort of stuff. It's quite opposite to Liz and I, but we all got on really well. He's a very genuine guy, but super aggressive. Anyway, we're at his house one day and we're admiring all his artwork and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, we had nothing. We literally had nothing at the time. And he knew that. He was fine with it. But he, he loved teaching us because we were like a sponge. And we were, we were later on very successful from what he taught us. But more so because of this book, because it, How to Heal Your Life, it was sitting on his, um, on his uh, coffee table and it's, it's very brightly covered. It's written by Louise Hay and, and, and it's not the sort of thing that I would think he would be into and he just picked it up and handed it to me and goes, Matt, I think this might be good for you. you and I'm going, hey, I want to learn about business and how to sell and he goes, no, no, you read, need to read this. It's all about how to love yourself and forgive people and about using affirmations. And for me, when I read it, it, it was just a life changer. It was such a good book. It was for mindset. I think Louise Hay had it spot on because back then I was starting to learn this idea that you can affect your outcomes in life with the power of the mind. Yeah. And I think Louise Hay just unlocked the keys to that for me, that particular book. And it was just weird that it was handed to me by this super aggressive business guy who I would have thought, that would be the last book he would ever recommend to me. And, um, yeah, it turned out to be way more influential than I ever imagined. So it, it's all about power of affirmations and turning around your life around with the power of thought. And I'd read, I've read heaps of books around that space um, but not one like that one. And so, yeah, that's the reason if you've gone through a bit of a rough trot in life and had anything happen to you, I would highly recommend you read that Heal Your Life. It's one of the key books that I recommend to anyone that's been through, you know, tough mindset stuff. Now, you also recommend in terms of your business section, two classics, How to Win yep. Friends and Influence People by Dale Absolutely. Carnegie and The Four, Just, Hour, Week, yep. four Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss. Tim Ferriss, yeah. yeah. yeah um, what, what influence did those two books have on you? 
So how to win friends and influence people was uh, I was very shy when I was younger and when we started to learn like off Sig Ziglar and those guys and figured out uh, what they don't teach you at Harvard Business School, how to sell, I realised uh, I've got to fix up my, my personality here in terms of figuring out how to get on with people and stuff like that. And someone, you know, I know it's a cliched cla- all-time classic, but when someone handed that book to me, actually that book, my first version of that book, I think I bought that from St. Vincent's de Paul as well for like a dollar or something. And instantly I realized that was gold. And it's funny, since then, if you want the ultimate recommendation for that book, one of my favorite all-time investors, Warren Buffett, one of the world's wealthiest men, it's, I noticed it's the number one book he recommends as well because he was shy too. So uh, to teach you how to get out there, how to win friends and influence people, absolutely amazing if you're going to be in business. Highly, high, Even though it's a cliche, highly recommend you read it. And similarly, the four-hour work week because that's what we do. We work online and when you're online, um, you're, the way you earn money is totally disconnected from time. So Tim Ferriss is really big about figuring out like time management and it's kind of the book I would have written if I was to write a book because Liz and I breathe, live and breathe that sort of stuff. So we were already doing a lot of the stuff that's in the Tim Ferriss book. Um, full disclosure, definitely not working a four-hour work week though. We work way more than that and we love it. We, I, I can't think of anything worse than only working four hours a week um, That would because we love what we do. But everything else in that book was spot on and that's why I recommend it to people because I, I want to, yeah, I think Liz and I are very lucky that through buying and selling so many businesses over the years, we figured out most of the stuff that Tim Ferriss very cleverly wrote and it's certainly been our experience on with online businesses. You can live that life that he talks about in that book and all these techniques are, are 100% spot on. We teach in a very similar way. Everything except the actual title of the book, Clayton, four-hour <laughs> work week. I don't know anyone that only works a four-hour work week, so not amongst my friends anyway. I, th- I think it was his way of saying that you can have the a utopia-based lifestyle, and I, I, I get yeah. where he's coming from, but I think, to yeah. be totally honest, yeah, yeah. and if you really w- didn't want to work, I mean, one of the things he does, I think, is like boxing or kickboxing or kung fu or something, Yeah, and the tango. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, tango, yeah, 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 the tango. Uh, not quite what I expected. Going to no, duh, duh, no. Duh, a, you know? it, I love his concept though. How he turns everything up. He questions everything. I think because Liz and I did science at uni and studied zoology, we do the same sort of thing. Indeed, and that's what I want people to realise. You got to question everything, particularly when you're in business. You got to test different ideas. Like like Tony Robbins also teaches. Yeah, ask that question. What if there's an easier way? Is there another way to do this? That's what Liz and I are doing every Monday. We're just checking in. Is there an easier way to do this? Or is there another way that we could be doing or should be doing this or could be doing this? And Tim Ferriss is really big on that in that book. And, and he, you know, in that book, he teaches you to buy leverage businesses and, you know, use outsource staff, virtual assistants and things like that. And um, he's one of the first people to write about that sort of stuff. And yes. I think to this day, that's a brilliant book for um, would-be online entrepreneurs. Highly recommended if you haven't read it. Excellent, excellent. So we're going to go on to your music and film selection where <laughs> some of them are in- <laughs> intertwined. So you've chilled as far as films are concerned, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou?, which obviously stars George Clooney and others, yep. Um, yep. and Pumping Iron, which is, I take it, the Arnold Schwarzenegger. 
Arnold Schwarzenegger, yep. So another huge influence in my life because he was the first person that I that kind of taught me this idea that you can create whatever you want in your life with the power of your mind. And he had nothing, just like Liz and I, we had absolutely nothing. And he came to America with literally a gym bag and he did the impossible. Back in the 60s, he became a millionaire through bodybuilding, which was unheard of. It was a fringe sport, totally impossible. And then he did the next impossible thing, which was become one of the world's most famous movie stars. And he has a name that no one can pronounce. He couldn't even speak proper English. And, you know, against all odds, he did that. And then, of course, he moved into politics and against all odds became the governor of California. You know, he's an ex-bodybuilder. So I really love his story and I think that documentary captures a moment in time before Arnie became super famous. It just shows what he had to do and the pivot point before everything took off for him. And to me, there's some amazing mindset lessons in that movie, in that documentary, to watch Arnie and to see his confidence and to see how he played the game to get ahead and what he did. It's a lot of fun to watch and it's a really cool it's a really cool mindset lessons for success in there. And it shows too, he talks openly about his vision then. You know, you notice in the documentary, people are joking with him saying, when are you going to run for president, Arnie? And he laughs it off. But you can see he's kind of interested in it even then. And he would have been a president if he wasn't born yeah, outside if, of If he could have found a way to have yeah. himself that he had a secret American mother or something like that or whatever, yeah. he would be the president now. You know, yeah. and, and and I I I really enjoy that. I still watch it once a year, and I watch it with my kids. And then similarly, once a year, because I love your question, Clayton. You know, what's your favorite album or single, and what's your favorite movie? It's one and the same. Oh, brother, where art thou? I don't know if any of your listeners know. It. It's an American film. It's set in the deep south. Do you know it? It's absolutely brilliant. Coen Brothers. Basically, yeah, Coen it's, Brothers. it's the sort of uh, the tale of is it Ulysses? Yeah, yeah, you yeah, but but yeah. modernized for the it's modernized. absolutely yep. and the and the it's ubiquitous soggy bottom boys. That's it. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> soggy bottom boys, and and the music is brilliant. We we love that old timey style music. Yeah. It's a very it suits the summers here in Australia. So once a year we we watch it, and we just love all the actors. It, it's a and it's a journey though. It's a journey of adventure. Correct. Liz and I quote lines out of it all the time, even when when we're in business, because mm. you know they're, they're adventurers. And 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 George Clooney, one of his lines is when someone asks him, "What are you doing?" He says, oh, we're adventurers, sir, but we're 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 seeking certain opportunities, but we're open to others." And that's <laughs> Liz and I live and breathe by. We're we're seeking certain opportunities, but we're open to others. And um, so we use that line all the time. I love it. So thank you for sharing that selection of um, movies, music, and 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 books with us. That's that was fantastic, and thank you for sharing that. We really appreciate awesome. that. So we're coming towards the end of the show now, and as I said, even though there are, I've still got about another fifteen questions that I want to ask. I'm I'm never going to get through them all in the, in the time that we have. So I want to try now to look forward to the future. And I want to discuss a couple of things, the future of the e-business Institute Mm -hmm. and your hosting of the digital investors podcast. If we can take those two. Yeah. So we, we started the digital investors podcast to mainly for our community to share the success stories to inspire people. So Liz and I, what's helped us in our journey as anyone listening to this podcast can probably realize 
is by having inspiring people around us. So we've always sought out people who inspire us like Arnold Schwarzenegger, but also our personal mentors in business. And I think Liz and I have been really, really lucky that we've had, be very fortunate to get to know some very, very successful entrepreneurs because we buy and sell businesses. You, you kind of network with them. And what we wanted to do with the Digital Investor Podcast is share with people because like you picked up, Clayton, it, it's an unusual space what we do, buying and selling these content sites. Oh, yeah. And we want people to realise this works. It gets people out of their jobs. And outside of our community, no one else realises that this is even there. So we love sharing inspirational stories on that on our podcast with like clients of ours or friends who have very successful online businesses. And that's basically, so if you're listening to this and you're interested in hearing, you know, actual real stories of real people, um, that's why we started the Digital Investor Podcast. And it's been, it's great fun. It's, a, it's kind of like an outlet for our community. So as with the George Clooney quote beforehand, open to new opportunities. What's happening for the eBusiness Institute going forward? Well, the podcast, we're really excited about that. Um, we, uh, it, I think why we're excited about with what we teach at eBusiness Institute, I think the world, you know, I'm not giving financial advice here or anything like that, but I, I think that there's got to be a recession coming somewhere. Like I think we can all feel it. I don't know when. And like Warren Buffett says, the chances of a, a, another recession are 100%. It's just no one knows when. <laughs> So what we're excited about is teaching people about what we do with these websites because if people like it, we see them as they're high, because they're high cash flow, they're, I'm not going to say they're super safe or anything like that. It's always a risk. But we find that, we remember, we started in the GFC and online websites still made lots of money. And so we think they're a really good asset to own it, it, no matter what happens in the economy. So I think for eBusiness Institute, we're, we're excited about continuing teaching beginners how to buy and renovate these online assets. That's what we love doing. And so we're positioning ourselves even more so for that. We think there's going to be a more of a need for that over the coming years because this market has grown dramatically in the last 15 years that we've been doing this. It, it's, it, it's really matured now. And I think um, we're seeing a lot more big corporate buyers come in. So we want to cater for that side of the market as well. So we want to train up our members so that they can sell their websites out to the big corporates. That's that's the big goal. That's what we're actually, that's they're the success stories that we're looking for. Fantastic. And one more tip that I'd ask, mm -hmm. what advice would you have for the members of the Cashflow crew listening who are interested in getting started with website investments? but probably were bricks and mortar people or boo-hiss. Yep. They were um, e-commerce people and they, want to, <laughs> <laughs> and, they, and they want to switch to this digital space. Yep. What would your advice um, be? Start small and, and play with it. So, you know, buy a small website and see for yourself. Get proof of concept that, so that you're happy with it. And of course, Clayton, do our free masterclass because we can show you the overlying strategy of how you do it. So we've got a free masterclass if you if you do want to learn a bit more about how you do this because you're saying what's the bit of advice if anyone's you know in a bricks and mortar world and you're interested in exploring this space obviously I'm going to say yeah look at one of our courses or do our, our free masterclass but honestly don't don't just rush out there and buy a website because they sound unreal and also because you know 
you know, Liz and I are good at it, right? And so we're, of course, going to be very successful at it. You need to test this out for yourself. And our golden rule actually in our community is no matter how good you think you are online, your first website, buy something under $2,000. There's no risk to that. If you can't afford that, you probably shouldn't be doing it anyway or you shouldn't be in business. But buy something small under $1,000 or under $2,000 and just get a proof of concept. Just play with that, learn it, learn how to do due diligence, learn how the website works, learn how to make money off it. And from there, you'll see how well this works. Excellent. Matt Rad, CEO of eBusiness Institute and the host of the Digital Investors Podcast. Thank you for joining us on the Cashflow Show. Thanks so much for having me, Clayton. That was awesome. I really enjoyed it. And I love your question. And so did I. You're most welcome. Thank you. We've come to the end of the Cashflow Show for today, but I would like to say thank you to our guests for taking the time to share their knowledge, wisdom, and insight. If you loved what you've heard on this week's episode, please head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts and leave a five-star review and feedback as it really does help. Whilst you're there, listen to some of our other episodes, which you are bound to enjoy. We want to make this the go-to podcast for entrepreneurs wherever they are in the world and spreading the word really is the best way to grow our show and our community to achieve greater things. Be sure to join us next time for real people, real business, real talk.